When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another edition of College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. We have a full slate, a couple of guests coming up on this week's pod. A lot to go over. Brentley, as shocker, a major surprise on the women's side. We'll get to that. The Gators go two for two. We'll talk to their head coach, J.C. Deacon, in just a moment. You were up in Gainesville. You were watching the scores yesterday in California. This is what we live for, correct? I think I may have jinxed our Stanford Cardinal by saying that they would go undefeated. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone in, in Palo Alto and the surrounding areas, all the Cardinal faithful. Um, but, you know, they're, they're still the favorites. Um, and sometimes it's, it's better to lose during the regular season if you got to lose. Correct. Uh, and San Jose State played well let's give them a lot of credit Dana Dorman the head coach of the women's program at San Jose State will be joining us just a little bit later on and of course we couldn't do this without our good friends at Velocity Global as they seamlessly connect employers and talent anyone anywhere anytime anyhow its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology compliance expertise and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. We now know the world of work, it is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, get the job done, and more than a 1,000 businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration, and they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global accelerates the future of work. If you'd like to learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf. Let's get right to it. We said we're going to have two guests. Our first joining us now, J.C. Deacon, the head coach of the University of Florida men's golf team. A perfect two for two to start the spring. Most recently, a victory at home holding serve in Gainesville. And in the process, taking down Oklahoma State, one of the very best teams in the country. JC, congrats. Always good to catch up and spend some time with you. What is the initial reaction a couple days later to see just how well your team played? Yeah, thanks for having me, Burko. Uh, Good to hear from you. But uh, very exciting weekend. Um, Playing at home kind of provides a, a different challenge, I guess, obviously, you know your course very well, you know kind of what's coming, but at the same time, lots of family and friends, uh, plenty of distractions, and we got to be able to, to handle those and credit, credit to our guys. They did an awesome job. We had a, had a really special dinner on Friday night, kind of celebrating the program and um, some of our past players and alumni. And uh, that carried over into Saturday morning. We, uh, we came out, you know, on fire, Fred, Fred Biondi shoots his lowest career round of 63 and uh, Ricky Castillo had it eight under through 14, I believe, and bogey two coming in to shoot 64. So, um, you know, those, those two rounds, uh, Yushin Lin played solid. 
Um, and John Dubois played solid. So we put together a really good start and that kind of gave us that, that gap that, that we were able to hold on to the rest of the weekend. Cause uh, you know, Oklahoma state and uh, Alan Bratton and Donnie Dar do, do such a great job. They've got a really, really impressive team. And um, it was, that was a big deal for us to, to beat them. What changed from your perspective as a head coach in 2022 to come out with two wins what message maybe was delivered differently? What expectation was set for this group that it's time to step up and start playing? Yeah, well, we, as I'm, I mean, many in college golf know, uh, we had an incredibly disappointing fall. Um, embarrassing, uh, pathetic, probably some words you could use to describe how we played. And uh, no one in our room was was very happy with what happened. And I remember the day we got back from Isleworth, our final event of the fall, uh, we had a pretty, pretty solid heart to heart, honest conversation about where we were at and what we were going to do about it. And, um, you know, it's easy to talk about that stuff, but credit to our guys. Um, they had the pedal down from October 20th until uh, I guess it was January 31st. We had our, our first round there at the Seabest, and uh, the work ethic was amazing. Um, we could kind of see some good things happening in qualifying. There were some low numbers. We had some guys that played well at the South Beach and the Dixie um, and the Patriot. There was there was just signs of of good things happening, and uh, our guys definitely had a had a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there was probably some people thinking we weren't very good and, um, and, and we wanted to prove them wrong and, and, you know, prove to ourselves that, that we were the great team that we thought we could be. And, uh, obviously a dream start having, uh, not lost yet in 2022, but we know there's lots left. Uh, there's a phenomenal field waiting for us in Las Vegas here in about 10 days. And, uh, we gotta, we gotta get back on it and get ready for that. Yeah, up to 23rd now in golf stat, JC. I want to talk a little bit about the golf course. Uh, Mark Bostic, I know it holds a special place in your heart and Burko's heart. He was on this pod last week talking about, I think it was the tuna melts, Burko. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, Ricky used to make the greatest tuna melts. And I shared last week, JC, that we lost Ricky a few years ago, yeah. but it was a staple on your way at the turn, all the rounds, uh, so many of us logged out there. Yeah, it's a special place. There's no doubt. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it, yeah. Sorry, it, sorry, I'm I'm uh, cutting you off there. But we're yeah, we're we're really proud of it, and uh, it sits right on the uh, northwest corner of our campus. Um, some of our players, I just saw Giovanni Manzoni walked in here. Uh, he walks here every day from his dorm, and that, there's something unique about that, and, and kind of cool. And we're, we're super proud of it. Our, our superintendent, uh, Paul Hamilton, and, and his staff have done an amazing job the last few years. Um, the greens were running 13 and a half plus all weekend. And uh, that really helps our team because there's, there'll be no course that we go to the rest of this year that'll have faster greens than uh, what we're playing on every day. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a unique track. It's an old Donald Ross um, there's a lot of intricacies to it, but uh, you have to be very disciplined. You have to put your ball in the right spot around the greens. And uh, obviously our guys did a, did a heck of a job of that this weekend. And, um, you know, we got, we got guys like Ricky uh, looking down from us up above. So um, it's, uh, it's nice to get wins and, and uh, make sure that's a, a nice way for us to honor and thank everyone who puts so much hard work into making this place special. 
Yeah, it, and it definitely breaks the mold of the thought that golf courses have to be 7,500 yards. I mean, yeah. it's probably a little longer than this, but on golf stats list, that's 6,701. Um, and there's only four teams that shot under par. So, I mean, that just kind of goes to show you that there's more than just length. Um, and as a good player yourself, JC, I mean, I I don't know where you stand and we're not going to get into it in terms of rolling the ball back and all that stuff, but to, to know that a 67, 6,800 yard course can, can keep the best college golfers in, in the country on their heels. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it is a tricky golf course. You, you, you can't you really, there's probably only four or five tee shots where, you can lose a golf ball. So it's, it's, I love it because our guys are hitting 13 drivers around for the most part. There's five par threes, but other than the par threes, you're, you're hitting driver on every hole, which is fantastic practice for us. Um, but you have to think and you have to be very disciplined. And as all call of college coaches will attest, um, those are two things that we're constantly trying to teach our guys or girls and, and ingrain into them um, because it, it probably is the hardest part of golf. You grow up as a junior golfer, there, there's no flag that you're scared of hitting at. And you get to this level and, and you just pay too big of a price for making mistakes. And that's why our course is such a challenge. It's, it's constantly going to test your patience. And uh, our guys did an awesome job of that. And that, you know, I give a lot of credit to, to Donnie Dar and, and uh, Alan Bratton at Oklahoma State. We played with their team all, all three days and watching how they played the golf course. They were incredibly disciplined and, uh, and patient and, and gave us a good run for our money. So um, we love our course and it teaches us different lessons. Um, but you're, you're right. You know, you get you get on those 75 or 7,400 yard golf courses like we will at Southern Highlands in a couple of weeks in Las Vegas. It's it's a different test. So um, you got to be pliable and and be uh, be ready for a- anything at this level. First-hand experience, you can easily hit it out of bounds right on nine. You can flare one in the road on 10. I'm just saying that might have happened through the years in Gainesville. Uh, JC, you bring up a really interesting point. You got to go toe-to-toe with one of the three or four best teams in the country at Oklahoma State. It's one week. It's one tournament. It's your home course. But what can that do confidence-wise heading to Vegas and beyond? Yeah, it's huge for us. Um, you know, everyone within college golf has a great deal of respect for Oklahoma State and and what they bring to the table every single year. Um, obviously, a consistent powerhouse in our game, and um, it was it was a great opportunity for us to go head to head with them. And it was more more than just um, you know us getting a, a victory over them. It was it was watching them go about their business. Uh, you know, a couple of our players picked up on it, but. Alan and, and Donnie and all the players came over and shook our hands and congratulated us after the win. Uh, and it's just first class the way they do, the way they do everything. And uh, um, it was, it was a good lesson for us. That's why I always love trying to pair our team with, with the highest ranked teams that are coming in here. You can, you can learn a lot, but uh, our, our guys, we, we've known how good our team is from, from day one. Um, I can't really explain to be honest what happened in the fall, it was, it was just kind of maybe, you know, just a, um, 
a bunch of disasters all at the same time, but we just, we played so poorly. And, um, but I think it, it helped because, you know, we played poorly in the fall when essentially it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It does of course, cause they all matter, but uh, it doesn't hurt you as much as playing poorly in the spring. So we, we do have that chip on our shoulder and, and a reminder that, you know, this can all go away fast if we don't do the right things and put in the effort we need to. So um, a great weekend against some great teams and, uh, now it's time for us to to take it to the next level and take it on the road and, and keep it going. Yeah, I, I think it's no surprise that Oklahoma State has produced, you know, such great pros like Victor Hovland, Ricky Fowler. Uh, but speaking of PGA Tour players, you guys got yourself a pretty good volunteer assistant coach. Obviously, your assistant, Dudley Hart, won on tour, played multiple uh, seasons on tour, had success there. But Billy Horschel, um, you know, arguably the biggest skater fan in the world or second behind Burko. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to, to, to have him now at your team's disposal as an official volunteer assistant coach, what, what has he already brought to this team? I mean, results wise, it looks like it's already paying off perfect two for two, uh, but kind of take us behind the curtain and, uh, and kind of talk about what Billy has, uh, you know, how, how he's impacted these players. Yeah, I think the the big thing Billy brings is I, I you know I probably overused word, but just he's got a ton of swagger and he believes in what he's doing and he just has a, a sense of confidence in in everything he says and I think that's meant a lot to our guys. He he had a really good chat with Fred Biondi and John Dubois, who are two phenomenal players who are just starting to reach their potential, and he said, "Look, guys, you guys are really really good." And it's one thing for me to say that Fred and John know I love them and we've been through a ton together and they're like, you know, probably whatever coach we, we know, you, we know you love us. And, but when Billy says it um, coming from the 21st ranked player in the world, a former FedEx cup champion, it, it probably hits a little bit different. And uh, that's, that's really helped them for sure. He's had some great conversations with Ricky. Uh, they played a practice round together at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot uh, a couple years ago, and they've, they've got a neat relationship. But Billy is. He's just passionate about the Florida Gators. Um, it, it hasn't been about him. He just wants to help. Um, all the guys have his phone number, so they're communicating on their own time. And uh, he's just obviously playing week in and week out with the best players in the world. And that experience for our guys to, to pick into is, is massive. And uh, I'm not sure there's too many programs out there that have two, you know, lifetime PGA Tour members on their staff. So from a development perspective, our coaching staff is, is literally a dream come tr- true for me right now. Hey, this coaching staff has two PGA Tour talents and two Florida State Open titles as well. So <laughs> I quickly went from the best player on our staff to the third best player on our staff overnight. So um, my ego's taking a little hit too. Hey, you're just like me. We got three riders and I'm number three. Uh, so, but also uh, speaking of, of Horschel, back when he played college golf, there was a great college golf rider, Ron Balicki from Golf Week. Sadly, uh, gosh, it's been, you know, six or seven years now, you know, passed away from cancer. But I, I know you saw them. But walking the fairways at the Gator on on Sunday, the ghost of Ron Balicki, spitting image doppelganger. Did did you orchestrate that? Is is he a paid actor that was, uh, you know, getting everyone it, fired up on Twitter? It was unbelievable. I mean, probably a lot of the kids these days don't don't know the name Ron Balicki, but 
as passionate about college golf as, as anyone I've ever known. He was just incredible. And uh, I saw that guy. I'm not sure who it is. I've never met him before. But boy, that was the first thing I saw. <laughs> and, uh, I thought, I thought he, he's probably, Ron's probably really enjoying this. A battle between the Florida Gators and Oklahoma State Cowboys on a college campus golf course. Um, I probably thought that that was pretty cool. So, but uh, yeah, I thought of Ron right away when I saw that guy and uh, hopefully he enjoyed the, uh, the competition this weekend. I saw the tweet from Scottsdale and I said, goodness gracious. And Ron was the standard, will always be the standard in what yeah. he did for covering college golf. Uh, and he is sorely missed as the uh, road to Greyhawk continues. I know uh, we'd love to see him uh, at least shining down on us, like Ricky with his tuna melts, Ron Balicki. Hopefully he's happy with what we continue to do uh, in promoting college golf for the men and the women. JC, always good to catch up. Congrats again. Uh, keep it rolling. All the best to the family, and we'll uh, we'll see you down the road soon. Yeah, right back at your family, Burko. Thanks, guys. I appreciate what, what y'all are doing for college golf, and uh, we'll see you both soon. Sounds good. Thank you. JC Deacon, the head men's golf coach at the University of Florida. Two for two in the spring. I liked how he said it, Brentley. They're undefeated in 2022. Those are facts. Those are numbers. Your thoughts. You were up there on the weekend. Let's start with Florida. How good can they be? As you said, now inside the top 25 and maybe this uh, come to Jesus moment at the end of October starting to pay dividends. Yeah, super smart decision to wipe the slate clean. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. You know, last week in Phoenix, we heard Brooks Kepka talk about being embarrassed to be ranked number 20th in the world. I was like, eh, that's not really embarrassing. Uh, but it was interesting to hear JCD could use the same word, em- embarrassing. You know, th- this is a team that, you know, talent-wise should stack up with any team in the country. Uh, maybe not. Oklahoma State at their best or Pepperdine at their best, but certainly a, a top 10 program. And they didn't play like that. They didn't come anywhere close. And to be able to go, I think October 20th was the date, to be able to, to sit down to that day, you know, have that come to Jesus moment that, that you talk about and just hit the ground. I mean, you know, dig it out of the dirt, get better, come out, you know, go, go two for two. This is a team now that, that looks like a team that could – make match play at the NCAA championship. We know how good they are at the top with Ricky Castillo finishing runner up at the Gator, Yushin Lin, certainly a lot of talent. Uh, but the, the key was they needed to have some other guy step up. You thought it was going to be Joe Pagden. He hasn't been in the lineup for a few events now as he sorts out some, some driver issues, but Fred Biondi, this, this kid is the real deal. I mean, he's, he's from Brazil. Uh, he moved to Miami uh, in middle school or high school, won a couple state juniors, was the Florida State Junior Player of the Year in 2016. We just saw him contend at the Latin American Amateur. He had the lead, two shots with nine holes to play, ends up finishing second. Now that confidence builds because he goes out, shoots 14 under, beats guys like Castillo, like Eugenio Shakara, Rayhan Thomas, Alvin Bergstrom from South Florida, who's kind of a, a sleeper player to, to keep an eye on. But that's big. Uh, that, that's what, that's what this Gator team needed. They, they need a third guy who they can count on alongside Ricky, alongside Yushin. And if John Dubois continues to improve, I mean, they have Tyler Wilt as your fifth guy right now. 
that's not bad. So they're 23rd, like I said, in golf stat. And I really expect some big things moving forward. I mean, this is a team that snuck into the NCAA championships with a strong final round at regionals, kind of laid an egg uh, at nationals, had some guys not play well. I, I, I think, you know, I, I know we've said this before, but I just have a feeling that this might be the year uh, that we see that little bit extra push late uh, from the Gators and, and maybe flirt with a spot in that final eight. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. JC talked about it. They go to Southern Highlands and Vegas in a couple of weeks, one of the best regular season events all season long for the men. And don't forget, before he went to Gainesville, JC Deacon played at UNLV. Spent some time under legendary coach Dwayne Knight. If anyone knows that golf course, JC, you can make the argument, knows it better than anyone else. Now he's not hitting a golf shot, but the little intricacies that you'll find there uh, in the desert. So uh, I'm curious to see their role. Obviously, I'm a proud Gator. uh, And anytime they play well, uh, I'm pretty excited. Not going to lie about it. Great to have JC on. We certainly appreciate it. Wish them all the best. Now let's sort of circle forward to the biggest story of the week. You and I last week talked about Stanford. Might they be the best team ever? Will they go undefeated? Will Rose Zhang ever lose a golf tournament? Well, no, no, uh, no, no, and yes. They're not going to go undefeated. They're not going to be the best team ever. And Rose Zhang isn't going to win every golf tournament. So maybe the no, no, yes was flip it around. You know what I'm getting at. That's because they got their spring season underway out in California neck and neck coming down the stretch and ultimately it was San Jose State winning that tournament not only taking Stanford down but some of the very best teams in all of women's college golf yeah how about that eight top 25 teams something like that Arizona State UCLA reigning national champion Ole Miss I mean this this wasn't just a statement win this might have been you know, the, the win of the last few decades for San Jose State. I mean, to, to go down, play in terrible conditions, I think it was 50 degrees, rainy, windy, and beat the best teams in the country. I mean, this is, this is a win that can potentially change your program. And so it'll be interesting uh, to speak with, you know, Dana, kind of get, get her thoughts and uh, going to be fun to, to see a, a legit mid-major team on the women's side actually have a, have a chance. Kent State was was that school maybe, you know, for the past five or six years. Uh, but, but San Jose State, I mean, this, this team is for real. And so, so watch out for them. And with that introduction and everything Brentley and I just said, we are thrilled to be joined by Dana Dorman, the head coach of the women's program at San Jose State University. They took down the number one team in the country, the team that many thought might go undefeated. Dana, thanks for coming on board and less than 24 hours removed from the win. How has this sort of settled in and sunk into your mind and your team considering what you guys were able to do? Well, it's sinking in, you know, gradually. I think we are over the moon about this win and, um, you know, it's, uh, to, to take down our, our friends and our, our neighbors over there at Stanford, who we have so much respect for, um, is really amazing. And it's, it's a seed that we planted with the team that, it, you know, it's possible to happen. And, and we got ourselves in the position to make it happen. And so, so proud of the team. 
from the outside looking in, it's obviously a very different dynamic. Uh, last week on the podcast, Brentley and I were talking about what might be with this Stanford team. What could they achieve? Could they rival Arizona State that went undefeated uh, in the mid-90s, only had one tie at regionals to San Jose State? But what did you know about your squad that maybe everyone else on the outside didn't know in terms of, yes, we can compete with anyone in the country? Well, we have, yeah, we have three players who are like, you know, super proven competitors. Um, and they, have, you know, everybody behind them has um, come along and, you know, everybody, we're all about lifting each other up not necessarily competing against each other. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're strong, they're hard workers, they're intrinsically motivated and um, they're fun to be around. So, um, so it's, it's been a great ride so far and we're hoping to keep, keep it going. Now, Dana, I, I think some people, you know, maybe talking about this as kind of a David versus Goliath thing, but that's not entirely accurate because you guys were the 12th ranked team in the country coming into this event. So it's not like this was a total surprise. Uh, you, you were runner up three times in the fall playing a, a very tough schedule. How, how have you kind of gotten this team to believe, um, you know, maybe even before this week that they are one of the best teams in the country and capable of doing something like this, not just once, but throughout the spring? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, the, those close calls that we had with the three seconds, um, you know, certainly we, we beat a lot of good teams in those fields. And, um, you know, our theme for this season was to change it from spring season to speech season. And so we've actually been, uh, you know, we'll have competitions at our, our practice facility and, you know, whoever wins, you know, we might say, okay, all right, Louisa, you won the, uh, you know, the chip, chipping extravaganza, you know, here's your speech. And she'd get up there and say, I'd like to thank the, you know, the maintenance staff, my coaches, my friends, all, you know, and so uh, we're just planting that seed and, and, you know, letting them know that they'll be ready when, when their chance came. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to make a speech yesterday. Now let's hop in the DeLorean, hop in the time machine for a little bit. You were a part of this program back in the eighties, part of that national championship team in 87. I think, it was a nine-year run uh, that included two more national titles and nothing worse than fourth at nationals. So you've seen this program kind of be the best, you know, be what it was back back in the 80s. Is there a similarity that you see between this current team and maybe the teams that you played on, you know, a few decades ago? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, uh, we'll have a tendency to um, have players on our team who may have been a little bit under the radar um, and who are really hard workers and, and really um, driven. And uh, I'm certainly seeing that from our past teams and in our current team. Um, you know, we, we've been really, really fortunate. Um, we, you know, since I played, we have an amazing on-campus practice facility. And, um, you know, uh, we have donors that have made this, you know, amazing leap for our program. And so, We've had that facility now, you know, in downtown San Jose uh, for five years. And, you know, we're reaping the benefits of that now. How do you make sure this team embraces it, enjoys what they did, but realizes that that was one tournament, one win, taking nothing away from you guys. But we know 
young men and young women, hey, we just knocked off the best team in the country. Watch out. And you know there's still a lot more work to be done. Where's that balance for you as a head coach? Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're going to enjoy this for now, right? Uh, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we're just going to keep doing our work that we've been doing and, and uh, you know, get ourselves in position to be – you know, take another win. We, we actually get the opportunity for, for a fun event next week. Uh, we're playing match play against Stanford um, at Court of All. And we just kind of, that was a late addition to our, our schedule. And so um, we both wanted to get the opportunity to practice match play. So again, we're, we're um, positioning ourselves to, to be ready if we get that opportunity to get into match play at national championships and, and be best prepared for that when we do. I was actually going to bring up that match because it, it'll, it'll be a little bit of an opportunity for a little payback uh, for the Cardinal. Is there a, what other events on, on your spring calendar are you guys looking forward to? And uh, you know, maybe some more chances to kind of, you know, kind of prove that you guys are, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Well, we have a great schedule. Um, you know, after this quarter ball match with Stanford, um, yeah, we hosted Julie Ingster. We co-host that um, at Meadow Club. Um, we have a great field there. Um, then we go to the Mountain View Intercollegiate, uh, another great field. And then we have the Silverado Showdown, um, another great field. So uh, we feel very fortunate with the teams that we are matched up against. And, and now we know that, that we are you know, going to be a contender and, and ready to roll um, when, when tournament time comes. Obviously you prepare your squad to do their own thing, to take care of their own business, but throughout maybe the course of the fall, Dana, and, and even heading into this past week, what was the overall perception of what Stanford was as a women's golf program? Um, amazing, uh, elite, um, you know, fun to play with. It, it's funny, you know, back when I was playing, we, uh, you know, kind of used to like feel like we would have rivalries with certain teams. And um, we don't we don't feel like there's a rivalry with Stanford. We feel like they're our friends and, and we're happy to compete alongside them. Um, we, we learn from them when we play with them. We were fortunate to be paired with them for all three rounds in this tournament. And um, but we also realize, you know, from that experience that they're human, too. They're college students, too. Um, and so, um, you know, what's stopping us from being elite like that as well? Now, Dana, do you claim Rachel Heck as kind of a part Spartan? I mean, she is taking an ROTC class uh, up in, in San Jose. <laughs> have, you, have you joked with, with Ann and, and, and her about that? Yeah, yeah. I think we need to work something out with Rachel. That would be really nice. But yeah, I know that she puts in the work out at San Jose. And, and yeah, certainly we have a great relationship with everybody over at Stanford. And, and we're really happy to, to play alongside them. Dana Dorman, the head women's golf coach at San Jose State University. Thanks for jumping on the podcast with us to sort of get a little more insight to how you planted the seed, the seed bloom. Heck of a win. Enjoy it. Congrats and keep it rolling on the rest of the spring. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Brentley, you and I were watching it. We were wondering, we were hitting refresh, what was going to happen. And let's first talk San Jose State. Again, thanks to Coach Dorman for joining us. You sort of alluded to it. She backed it up. This is a program that maybe you and I have overlooked a little bit as a outside the top 10, someone to keep an eye on. I know it's one tournament. It's three rounds. 
huge props to what they did. Obviously, you take down a squad we discussed as maybe one of the all-time greats, at least the potential. Watch out. I'm very intrigued to see next week at Cordoval and the rest of the spring for San Jose State. Yeah, and, and she mentioned they're playing the Silverado as well. Stanford's going to be there too. So a, a, another chance to go head-to-head with Stanford. They actually played them twice in the fall. Stanford got their number both times. Uh, the one of those was a, a home event. But, yeah, I mean, this this is a team that has some players on it. I, I think I think Dano is a little modest in, in that, you know, this, this is a program that gets, you know, players who are maybe a little overlooked. But Natasha Andrea Un. She's now 11th in golf stat. She was third uh, at, at the San Diego Invitational yesterday. She's, she's one of those players who could be a first-team All-American. And you add in uh, uh, Antonio uh, or Antonia Malate. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, uh, Casa Arfajal. Uh, I, I totally butchered that, Virgo. But, you know, these – these are players who could play and start for most every team in the country. You know, maybe not Stanford, uh, but definitely some of the other top teams. But I, I think the X factor for them is going to be Lucia Lopez Ortega. This is a freshman who arrived on campus with a pretty good pedigree. She was a member of that Spanish national team last summer that won the European team championships. She's T22 in San Diego this week. If she can take another step forward, which we see all the time, you know, freshmen, that first semester can sometimes be a little rough, but if she hits the ground running this spring and continues to improve, we're talking about maybe not just a fringe top 10 team, but maybe a team up there with the likes of Stanford, with the likes of Oregon, um, and probably a little better uh, than maybe a USC or an Ole Miss. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. One thing's for sure, you know, we, we talked earlier about, you know, the, the history of this program and the, you know, the nine straight years of fourth and better at nationals, three national championships, of course, all the great LPGA players that have come out of this program. It, it's slow, slowly but surely, you know, Dana Dorman is getting San Jose State back to where we're not just talking about them as, as the little sister to Stanford. They're actually an equal or, or close to that, and they certainly proved that this week. On the flip side, maybe a knee-jerk reaction from Stanford. I think very good to see Rachel Heck win individually, her seventh win in college in less than a year. Rosang, quote-unquote, struggled for her. Still a great showing, but what did this prove to this the angle of, okay, Dana just said it, they're human. They're college students, but uh, no disrespect to San Jose State. I'm shocked, shocked how this one broke down. Yeah, I was actually on Trey Jones' radio show today and was talking about, you know, how we've seen. This is nothing new, but anything can happen once you get to Greyhawk and get into that top eight, get in the match play. And this kind of shows that, yeah, Stanford is human. They, They are beatable. And you look at a squad like Wake Forest, who we'll see here in a couple weeks' time at the Darius Rucker, one through five, you look at the back end of the Demon Deacons lineup with Carolina Shikara and Mimi Rhodes, if you get the matchups right, Stanford can be beat. We saw it last year. Arizona gets it done against them. And if Angelina Yee is going to finish T67 in college tournaments this spring, 
that just further proves the point that this is a team that could be upended on any any given day, any given tournament. Um, I, I agree with you. It's great to see Rachel Heck get the win. Rose saying it's kind of crazy that a T4 is disappointing. She had a triple early on in her final round that kind of knocked her out of it. She's going to be just fine. But there are starting, there's a little bit of questions brewing toward the end of that lineup. So it'll be interesting how they kind of get through the spring, um, kind of get past the end wall. And uh, maybe, you know, Ann Walker is one of the best to do it, one of the best coaches in the game. I think she'll have her girls ready. And, uh, but yeah, definitely a beatable team now. And again, I, I, I said this at the top of the show, I'm very sorry to the Stanford fans for jinxing this team. I, I really wanted to see them go undefeated just for the novelty of having a team go undefeated. Uh, and they didn't do it, but you know, you see this in college basketball all the time. It's, it's better. It's better to get the disappointment out of the way uh, and get that pressure and that cloud hanging over your head out of the way before you get to nationals, because we know it, you know, it. I know it, everyone knew it. If they had gone to Greyhawk, perfect unbeaten that would have been what everyone would be talking about and that is a lot of pressure for a college athlete and I think you know as the weeks progress um, as this loss or second place finish gets further in the rear room here I think they'll look back and say hey this is probably the best thing that could have happened to us agreed lose in February don't lose in May learn something from it and uh, it'll be easy for Ann Walker to, to push the envelope Hey, ladies, a lot of work to do. The fall is gone, and, and, and you got to get back at it. Uh, other results, real quickly. Uh, Puerto Rico, uh, apparently the Sooners know how to make birdies, and a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of school records dropped. I think they smashed the 54-hole school record in relation to par by 11 shots. Previous was 48 under. They shoot 59. It was a shootout, though. It's not like they went out and won by 20 shots. Georgia had a great week as well, only six shots back. Um, Some other teams as well were were kind of in the mix late. But, yeah, this is a team that continues to pleasantly surprise. Um, There's there's no question that they are, if not the best team, uh, one of the top two or three best teams in the country. I think there's still probably some room for improvement at the bottom of that lineup. But when you see Patrick Welch come out, and shoot an opening 62. I know it's great and all that Christopher Goderup got another win, but we already knew that he had that in him. I think the biggest takeaway for Ryan Hebel at this event is seeing Patrick Welch, who they call Vinny, kind of get his swagger back, find that extra gear that we've seen from him in the past because he struggled. I mean, and, and you look at a team last year, they were arguably playing four, four versus five. Garrett Reban was struggling, Patrick Welch, was was struggling as well um and so to have patrick welch kind of rediscover his game and i know it's only one tournament um but if he can do that moving forward and give them that that low one every now and then and and finish in the top 15 this team's even better and they're unquestionably the number one team in the country at that point I agree. Welsh continues to play like that. He's the X factor. Goderup continues to impress. I know I think we talked about it last week. He is now on my short list of potential Haskins Award winners. I, I think yeah. he's that good. I'm bullish. I'm biased. Jersey, Rutgers ties. The kid's legit. He can absolutely play. 
Um, and, and I think he's been a seamless transition from uh, New Jersey to Norman, Oklahoma. Nice win for uh, the Seminoles. A little late rally there at the Mobile uh, Bay Intercollegiate to jumpstart their spring. Yeah, not, not a great field in terms of if you're going to compare it uh, to some of the other spring tournaments, you know, maybe even Puerto Rico. But some good teams at the top, UAB, Illinois, and to shoot 15 under Trey Jones' squad, uh, that, that's going to be a confidence booster. This is kind of a new-look team. I mean, they lost two of the best players in college golf last year in John Pock and Vincent Norman. They replaced them with a couple of transfers in Dan Bradbury and Michael Sakan from Jacksonville. I, I still think, you know, one of those guys, one of those returnees, whether it's Brett Roberts or Freddie Ketchup, I, I just think one of those guys has to take that next step. Uh, maybe it's even Cole Anderson, but certainly doesn't help or, or doesn't hurt uh, when you go out and, and put together a low one in the final round and win from behind. So th- th- that'll be a huge boost for that team. And, uh, you know, some, some possibility to, to sneak back in there and, and get back to Greyhawk uh, for the Seminoles. Vatek, what do you say? You, gotta, you, you can't win them all until you win one, right? Hey, I, I was shocked. I mean, I, I know that this is a program that's kind of been in and out. Uh, but first outright win ever in school history. Um, they, they had shared a title a few years ago with LSU. But this is another team. I mean, you, you look at, I kind of put them in the same kind of group as a Michigan or a Virginia, um, kind of that next tier of teams that can maybe get hot at the right time. Certainly a lot of talent uh, led by uh, Emily Mayer. But yeah, the, the Hokies are a potential match play team. I, they're probably a few more steps to go before they really uh, get into that conversation. But anytime you beat some good teams, including Oklahoma state, um, that's something to be proud of. Yep. The ladies uh, in Blacksburg making a statement. Good to see that real quickly. Oklahoma state were after a perfect fall. We're now not so perfect in the spring. How worried are you? I'm a little worried. I, I, I do think it's important to bring up that, even though they no longer have Kayla McGinty, who we talked about on this pod a couple of weeks ago, leaving the school. Uh, she's still taking classes there, but no longer in Stillwater, currently in the transfer portal. That, that's a huge hit. And that takes them from being a potential contender with Stanford to being on just on the outside looking in, I think, in terms of the, the top eight. But what, what, going back to what I was talking about just a few moments ago, the important to note that they're starting five still. They've all won college golf tournaments. When you look at Isabella Fiero, who got the job done this week at the tournament um, down in Melbourne, I want to believe. Uh, yeah, uh, Duran Golf Club in Melbourne, Florida. Uh, but Madison Henson Tolchard, she's won before. She's won big amateur events as well. Um, Haley Jones has won. So th- this is a team that still has some pieces there. Um, and if Greg Robertson can motivate them and say, hey, we know Maya Stark's no longer here. We know Kayla McGinty's no longer here, but you guys are still really talented. And it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for that belief to really set in. Um, but so, yeah, to answer your question in a long way, I'm a little concerned, but I still think there's some hope uh, for this team to be one of the best uh, when it's all said and done at the end of this season. What do we got on tap this uh, coming week? What is piquing your interest? A, a couple events on the men's side, the prestigious PGA West. That's always a great tournament, low scoring. 
Uh, Florida State's going to host an event at Camp Creek, which they did last year, kind of that first event back uh, from the COVID absence for a lot of those schools in the fall. But on, on the women's side, going back to Melbourne, Florida, it almost seems like Melbourne is kind of the epicenter of at least the eastern coast of the women's golf world. But another event at Century Country Club, which is home to a, a few pros, um, Vicki Hurst, uh, Nicholas Lindheim, Mickey DeMorat, who played at, at, at Liberty. So uh, I may try to get down there uh, for, for at least maybe the first round, maybe the, the Sunday round, uh, some good teams. Duke, Virginia, Florida, Auburn, um, they're, they're all going to be down there. Uh, and one of the best tournament names, I think, Moon Golf. I mean, there's nothing like playing golf on the moon, Burko. The ball That's what they say. Yeah, didn't they uh, <laughs> do that 50 years ago, hit that uh, mid-iron that never stops? So, it's uh, still going. Not? It's yeah. still going. That's going to help their uh, the stat numbers. Uh Full slate. We're done. We're going to wrap it. Thanks to J.C. Deacon. Thanks to Dana Dorman. And, of course, thanks to you for listening to College Golf Talk. We'll see you right back here next week.